Welcome to the WordPress TV Talk episode 8. I'm your host, Christian, and today is a special episode of TV Talk, as uh, we'll be taking a break for the foreseeable future, but for today, we're going to be covering Star Trek Discovery Season 2. Chad, actually, from the WordPress, will be reviewing each episode and talking about that and the Orville and whatnot. Uh, with me today is Chad himself. Hey, how's it going? And uh, Shimmy. Yo, yo. Yeah. Alright, guys, let's get started. Dude, what a series, not a series, it could have been a series finale, but what an amazing season finale. Honestly, in a way, it felt like a series finale. Like, just the way that it was so final. They effectively killed off, like you said, half the show, and now the Enterprise is going off on this new adventure. It feels like that's going to be the show now. So in a way, it feels like a new beginning. Absolutely. It's very weird. So for those of you guys who might be tuning in right now, uh, the ser- the season, I keep saying series finale, but the season <laughs> finale of uh, season two of Discovery just finished up. Uh, do you want to give a really quick uh, recap on what to ha- what happened? If you guys haven't seen it, they literally killed off most of the crew. Yeah. Completely. And killed off in quotation marks, I would say. Uh, so, Shim, why don't we give us a, a brief little recap of what went on, and I'll kind of fill in the blanks as you talk. Sure. Yeah, so the episode uh, starts with them cornered by Section 31, uh, or control, in control of Section 31's fleet, and they're trying to send, I think they were trying to send Burnham forward in time Yes. to take the sphere data out of reach of control, and so their plan is to follow her through the wormhole the new Red Angel suit is generating. And I like how they made it kind of like with a blue motif. It was like she's the blue angel now. Yeah. <laughs> that was really cool. Um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. No, that's okay. Cool. Uh, <clears throat> what was I saying? Anyways, they leave off with Michael Bourne. They leave off with Michael Burnham trying to get the time crystal into her pack, right? Everyone's like scrambling to charge it up. Uh, Tignatero's character, Reno had like found uh, found a way to charge it up, but there's only enough energy to kind of open up the wormhole and take her and the Discovery fleet, or the ship, rather, into the future, right? So a massive, massive battle ensues. Yep, with a bunch of Starfleet, like, shuttles and fighters, which we've never seen before. Yes, it's so, drones. The first time yeah. we have an example of a drone technology yeah. being used heavily in warfare within a Star Trek series. Yeah, which say. is amazing because we never got to see, like, a real just space battle, dogfight, Star Wars style before. Yeah. You know? so, so as somebody who doesn't watch the show, that was intense. Is this normally like that? Like, with no, the crazy... Because no. that was huge. I've, I've watched the few... I've watched the original series and a few episodes of the uh, Next Gen... But this was hardcore, like the craziest space fight I've ever seen. First off, you're missing out. You got to watch Next Gen to its completion, including DS9. Skip the other ones in between. Skip Voyager. Skip Skip Voyager and skip Enjoy. Maybe do Voyager. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Very particular. Okay. Yeah, but uh, no, I would say do Voyager, but you know. uh, For completion. For completion's sake. Uh, But don't do Enterprise. It's absolutely terrible. (laughs) Regardless of that, though, uh, that's actually one of the biggest critiques of Star Trek, I think, that it's not as action packed. Right? Oh, yeah. It's more focused on kind of like the pseudo-technology that they're coming up with, kind of like this fantastical technology. Yeah. They're always talking about like different philosophical predicaments that they find themselves mm-hmm. into. Um, it's usually like heavy on character analysis, which is, I think, another critique of Discovery in general. It's yeah, very much yeah. focused on one character as opposed to an ensemble cast. So um, it's normally not this intense. I okay. think the last time we had this much intensity would probably be Enterprise... 
But I think in terms of quality, DS9. DS9, definitely, yeah, yeah. with the Dominion War. I mean, Enterprise kind of approached this level with the whole Zindi War arc in Season 3, but it's still, like, the space battles themselves weren't quite as, uh, you know, modernized and sleek. And so you didn't really have that effect of, uh, you know, really cluttered uh, close combat warfare. Yeah. So, massive battle ensues, right? And this show is not afraid of killing off people, as we learned with the uh, episode where they killed off Lieutenant uh, Arium. And they definitely do it in this one. We get... um, an example of Michael Burnham and also uh, Reno touching the time crystals. And then uh, they get a vision of what's going to happen. Kind of like this total destruction of some sort where everyone's kind of getting killed off and stuff. So they decide to use that to their advantage to prevent that from happening. Uh, one thing that happened in the vision was that a photon torpedo breached the hull of the Enterprise. And it was projected to blow up and kind of destroy the Enterprise as this. However... Uh, due to the Admiral, uh, Kate, she sacrifices her life in kind of a last-minute decision, um, also saving the the crew of the Enterprise in that result, and she's kind of like the first casualty, big casualty of that war, right? And it was cool to see an Admiral do something. They're mostly in the shadows on the other tracks. Yeah, she's definitely a front-line type yeah. of person, which is great. And it's also a shame to see that character go, because she was so strong. You know, she really helped... Uh, she kind of gave that structure... I think, you know, yeah, to the she different was like, a, you know, a, the Federation equivalent of a parent yeah. to a lot of the characters. But a very involved parent in a good yeah, exactly, way. Exactly, exactly. And having that dynamic have been established so firmly throughout the run of the show, and then having her have that moment of, of uh, you know, martyrdom in a way was very refreshing to see. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so massive battle ensues. Uh, Captain Leland, who's now Control, enters the Discovery ship. And then we have Giorgio and the security officer. I forgot her name. Uh, uh, yeah, I think so. Commander Nolan? Maybe. I don't know. I'm just going to go with that assumption. You guys can Wikipedia that later. <laughs> it's a name. It begins with N. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, watch it not be. I'm going to bring this up. No, um, yeah, so uh, she... So uh, at this point, Control gets locked up in Discovery seems like they have everything under control, no pun intended. <laughs> and then Burnin, uh, Burnin, jeez. And then Michael uh, is able to kind of open up that wormhole, but due to Spock figuring out that she first had to jump in the past, send out the signals the previous five times before she can then move into the future and then save, I guess, herself and Discovery by shifting the data that Control is, uh, you know, uh, seeking... Uh, kind of far away from him so that way they can kind of like neutralize him and stuff which they end up doing um and that's kind of the biggest question i think about this thing is did they actually kill off these characters because um as burnham was able to go into the future and they watched discovery kind of enter that wormhole to go 960 years um into the future from where they're located uh you know they have this kind of extra ending right um this epilogue if you will where they're being interviewed by Starfleet and everyone is giving you know, the same testimony that they watched Discovery get blown up. And, dudes, all the characters were on the ship. All the characters. Pretty much all the characters, except for the Enterprise characters, right? The original cast of this show. Yes, it's completely is gone. on that ship. It's completely gone. Far in the future where no one could ever reach them again. Yes. It's nuts. 
And it's weird because it matches up kind of with the continuity of Star Trek with the TV shows and stuff. Exactly. Um, it's that was a, that was a brilliant moment for me because it, in one fell swoop they addressed all the canon concerns. It you know the fact that Section Thirty One seems to be almost like so dormant that it's absent in other Trek shows. Like it's because they destroyed it right there, you know. And the fact that, like, the spore drive or the mention of Discovery and these huge events are never even brought up again in any other trench shows. Yeah. It addressed all that right there in, in like, a single scene. Even the character of Michael. We never hear of, you know, Spock's exactly. sister. And, the, you know, Spock has to take an oath with Pike and every other character that survives um, that they were never to ever bring up Michael's name again. Yep. You know, so officially she's just listed as dead. So I don't know in which direction they're going to take the show. But holy fuck, what, a, what an ending. I, there's like, so many things they could do. It's I'm just so pumped to see what they end up doing. Because they could, I mean, you were saying before, Christian, that you know they could easily do a storyline where they go deep into the future and follow Discovery and follow them almost like in a Voyager kind of way, navigating this insanely alien terrain that is nine centuries from their current timeline. Yeah. You know? Or, I mean, that ending shot... Uh, you know, with the crew of the Enterprise looking forward into so the So let's talk screen. about the ending of the epilogue. Yeah. So yeah, in the ending of the epilogue, uh, you have the seventh signal appear, right? So you have five signals up into the seri- series finale, up into the <laughs> season finale, right? And then um, you have the sixth signal, which is Burnham leading everyone to the wormhole, right? The crew of Discovery and uh, herself through that. And then she kind of promises Spock that she's going to send out a seventh signal. We don't know how this works. I can't wrap my mind around it. But at the end of the epilogue, uh, you know, Spock, you know, comes aboard the Enterprise in this traditional blue uniform, clean shaven. He doesn't have that mirror look anymore. And, um, you know, he's told by Pike and, and the crew that they found the seventh signal. And they kind of were like, oh, hey, do you want to go visit this moon? They're like, we already did. They're like, oh, we'll do nothing then. Let's just go towards the signal, all right? Um, so there's a chance they might bring them all back, which I hope they do, because I really want to see a Captain Saru. Yeah. Um, and, and I really love hey, the that chemistry. That was the one thing I felt like, you know, I got cheated by, was like not being able to see Captain Saru before he leaves the show. And they hinted on that in the previous episode. Yeah, yeah. They knew about that, too. You know, where they were, Pike was clearly going to assign him to be the captain. You know, but he was just like, no, 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 we can talk about this later. But there is no later. There is no because later. Because they're, they're dead, maybe. I don't think they're fully dead. I hope they're not fully dead. I hope See, they come back. One of the best parts of this is just the endless amount of speculation that, as a fan, you can go through with that kind of ending. There are so many different directions they can take it, and it's just mind-blowing. Like, this is this is all anybody's going to talk about until the next season airs. <laughs> It, it was a really crazy finale. So, wait, if, if hypothetically speaking, if they went 900 years into the future, it picks up from where current Star Trek is in, like, the canon? Or no? Uh, well, this is about... Discovery is, I think, about 100 years... Well, it's 10 years before the original series. Yeah. And about uh, 200, I think, years from, uh, from Next Gen, right? Did you say 100 years? Is it 100 years from no, Next Gen? Ten, no, from Next Gen, maybe. Yeah. Well, it's 10 years before the original series. Yes, 10 yeah. years before the original series. So, like, is there any sort of uh, universe in the Star Trek canon 900 years in the future set already, or no? Like, this would be entirely new territory. I mean, that was something that they kind of explored in Enterprise. Okay. And, 
I mean, for Enterprise, what they did was they had that thing with the, uh, you know, the temporal Cold War, and this time agent from the future, I think it was, I don't know if it was 900 years, I think it was like 700. I always get confused with Star Trek chronology. I still can, to this day, I don't understand the, the dating conventions that they use. I, it's, it's As a, little, a big fan, I just can't. I don't well, get it, it. I mean, it's a little tangled just because of, like, all the different things that they've done on all the different shows. But in general, I think it's, um, Enterprise is definitely the earliest. Enterprise is, like, pre-Federation, even. In fact, Enterprise ended with the founding of the Federation, and that was, I think, in, like, the 2100s, right? And then original series is 2200s. Um, Next Gen is 2400s. Voyager and Deep Space Nine are all, like, within that era. Like, Next Gen, Voyager, and Deep Space Nine all take place within the same, uh, I want to say, like, 20-year span. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So Discovery being 10 years before uh, the original series is, I mean, just kind of in this really interesting point where it's, you know, it's the beginning of the Federation still, and it fits in with that Wild West tone that original series kind of had. It's because they're in the context of a war, right? Exactly. I mean, uh, so one thing to keep in mind is that the Klingons of the Federation have been warring for over a decade. But they're not necessarily warring every single time. And one thing right. that we see in this episode, which is really cool, is that the Klingons actually ally with uh, that was such a cool part. with the Discovery and the Enterprise. Yeah. yeah. Oh so Ash Tyler escapes. He says he's not going to join Michael on her plan. Says goodbye to her. They have this like really intense makeout session, <laughs> and then they uh, you kind of don't see Ash for a little a little while, and it's because he goes back to Konos and he brings uh, Laurel and kind of her troops to come help out. Also, another surprise, uh, I guess cameo Saru's sister. Yeah. Which is so that, weird. She learned how to... Yeah, that was... I mean, it was a little out of nowhere for that that particular uh, subplot. Uh, because it's... I'm just going to explain that real quick for you and people who don't know. Um, so, basically, Saru's species, the Kelpians, are on this planet where they are kind of like a primitive uh, prey, almost like cattle race. And they're sentient, but they're, you know, sort of kept down by this other race, the Ba'ul, who uh, kind of farmed them. And it's there's a whole uh, like detailed history behind that that they get into, which is actually very interesting. In short, basically, uh, the Kelpians, Saru's race, the prey race, uh, have an evolution they go through where they become just nasty, super strong beings. And the Ba'ul were originally their prey. And so the Ba'ul... De- um, developed superior technology, turned it around on them. So they did this really cool episode where they go back to that planet and Saru and the Federation help the two species realize that they can coexist. He teaches his fellow Kelpians about their evolution and uh, they and the Ba'ul start kind of like inching towards peace. But it was a little jarring in this episode uh, in the series finale, <laughs> where, <laughs> when Saru's sister and a bunch of other Kelpians just show up piloting Ba'ul ships to help out. Because we didn't really get to see that development. A signal was sent off around her area, though, right? Yeah, but I think that was the signal that um, that guided Discovery to their planet in order to start that, like, you know, growing peace. Yeah. So it affected the decision of Saru's sister to kind of mobilize her people with right. the Ba'ul... All right, so I want to talk a little bit Easter eggs. It's not quite an Easter eggs, but they make references to two short treks mm. within this episode. 
Uh, one being uh, the one with Tilly and how she meets Poe, the empress or the, the queen of this one planet. Uh, they bring her back as a character and she's really essential in the episode mm-hmm. since she kind of knows how to uh, work the technology and create the suit that um, Burnham's uh, you know mother had once developed and stuff like that. Uh, so that was really cool seeing she her. She helps create the Blue Angel. She does, <laughs> yeah, right? She helps create the, the Blue Angel. Um, so that was really neat, kind of seeing her character come back to that and how they're kind of tying in all the different short treks. As we know, they also did the same thing with Saru, but in the previous episode in this season. Yeah. The third short trek is the one where Discovery is in the future. Like that was really something cool like 3,000 years in the future or whatever. So I'm really curious if that this episode, this quote-unquote series finale, if you will, is tied into that short track. If this really is the end of Discovery as we know it, you know? Um, and, It'd be cool if makes, when Discovery goes forward, it's in that timeline. See, that's what I thought was happening. But again, oh, I'm yeah. so not. <laughs> Got up and just like, oh, okay. Yeah, rather than just sticking to the previous one. So that could be really yeah. neat. You know, and it can hint at this uh, short trek, which essentially shows you a very empty discovery with a a space traveler who happens to stumble upon it and kind of spend some time living his life on the ship. You know, that's just totally abandoned. So, And, I mean, it raises some really interesting plot points for next season because in that short trek, the guy who stumbles upon Discovery, he discovers Discovery. It's amazing. Uh, (laughs) He... um, he is running from uh, a species he calls the Vidrish, mm. which the writers of that short track actually confirmed to be like kind of a, a, you know, over time evolution of the word Federation. So it's interesting to see if they'll go into like, you know, this sort of savage future where the Federation has kind of devolved into like a, you know, like a primitive Klingon sort of, you know, just straight-up warrior race. And they're the bad guys now. And Discovery has to kind of, you know, manage its way around that. That would really keep in tone with the rest of the series. Yeah. You know, the it previous would. two seasons. Because it is definitely the the darkest of the tracks, mm. I would say. Definitely. Not no counting doubt. any of the movies. Um, so that would be pretty cool to see. Even counting the movies, really? Maybe, I don't know. Eh, kind of. I don't know. I'm just not counting the movies. I, I would say that... I feel know, that. First count that... <laughs> First con- contact was pretty dark, um, in a different way. But. Yeah, I mean that's. I feel like that's the only you know original movie that uh, that really felt dark. What about the one with the whales? Wasn't there like a save the whales? Oh, that's that's the fourth uh, Star Trek movie. That that's was phenomenal. <laughs> that's the opposite of dark. Seeing pictures. Spock as a hippie, that was oh that's man, brilliant man. That is my childhood. <laughs> Where are the nuclear vessels? <laughs> fucking classic man yeah. fucking classic oh, man. but yeah so really intense I don't know how they're going to take the show on yeah. so okay you would want to see that I would that would be pretty cool I would love to see another discovery too yeah it's well I mean they can do like they would be able to set up like you know kind of concurrent timelines where they're in the established timeline with discovery 2.0 it's a new ship it's having its own adventures and discovery in the future that could be neat. Navigating that fucking ferocious war two separate terrain, crews, you know? Two separate crews and yeah. two separate storylines. I don't think that would work. Uh, I don't know. It's a... It'd be cool to Generations see. thing that would be cool to see. I doubt they'll do it, but... Uh, that's my fantasy for season three. <laughs> <laughs> Which could be really neat. So maybe we can get that Voyager series we all deserve. Exactly. 
a better Voyager. Much a better Voyager Voyager for the people. A Voyager <laughs> that will not ruin the Borg and betray you no by sexy ruining Borgs. Trek for you for like three <laughs> years. And no sexy Vulcans. Yeah, no sexy Vulcans. Come on. I, uh, I mean, it's better than the sexy Borg, but not that much. Wait, you guys don't think Spock is sexy? Well, Spock is the original sexy Vulcan. Yeah, he's like the science <laughs> sexy, you know. That's out there. So Paul try to steal his spot. Not cool, you know. Not cool at all. Not cool. All right, so <laughs> I think we recapped the you know uh, season finale uh, pretty decently. Definitely watch it. Super action packed. The acting is on point aesthetically and you know visually it's stunning. You know the action is really great. It's paced well throughout the whole story. Uh, any other comments on that before we start talking about the overall season and kind of what you thought about it? You know, the fact that it is, like you say, so action-packed, and so, I mean, it, it, this is the first Trek... I mean, I mean, they've always been trying to modernize the newer Trek shows. You know, uh, Enterprise especially really tried so hard to be of the era. You know, they were trying to simultaneously be Star Trek and Firefly, and it just didn't work. But Discovery manages to modernize itself in a way that really does draw you in, even if you're, like, a stodgy purist like I am, you know? It still feels like Star Trek, even though it is less philosophical and so much more action-packed and, like, sleek, in a way. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how they did that, but that, I think, that sold me. I think they're also trying to get a wider appeal for oh, Star definitely. Trek and just, you know... Yeah part of that movement to reboot the entire franchise exactly. um so as a result of that you're going to get a lot a lot less philosophy and stuff but, i mean they it. still managed to pack it in there they managed to make poignant moments out of the most ridiculous high concept shit i keep thinking of that scene in the finale where michael is about to do uh the last jump while they're trying to you know pave the way for discovery to go through the wormhole into the future and she has this moment of realization that she's about to leave literally existence as she knows it behind. Mm-hmm. And there's time for this like really heartfelt brother-sister conversation between her and Spock. And of course there shouldn't be because, you know, they're in a really dangerous situation. Just pull the plug already, do the yeah. thing, save the world. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, they, you know, despite the, the ridiculousness of that moment, they managed to make it really poignant. And they managed to really give those two characters closure with each other in a way that you don't get in a in a action packed sci fi show unless it's really you know written by dedicated writers who know their science as well as they know their show, and that's just so rare to see, and that's such a classic Star Trek move of taking the most ridiculous, like, it's set against such a philosophical and high-concept backdrop, and yet they still manage to kind of, like, make you tear up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. That was a really heartfelt moment, even though I had no idea what was going on. I was like, <laughs> uh, there was a lot of those, like, in this episode. I was like, oh, oh, oh. But, yeah, sorry. One of my favorite moments, I think, was in the previous episode, mm. where Pike sees his future. Yes. Oh. Which is really neat. That was a horrible And that was, moment. and he just had this horrific response to it. You That's know, that really... hard, man. Yeah. It, it was very hard. That's what I was saying a bit earlier uh, when we were talking outside of this podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, this show gets very dark. So wait, And so they then, treat his, uh, his kind of ending as a... So he knows what's going to happen to him? Yeah, so essentially what happened oh, in the previous episode, he goes to get the time crystals yeah. 
from uh, that planet Bathor, I think. Uh, Boreth, yeah. Or Boreth, that's the reason yeah. that's a power. The angel suit. Yeah, yeah. Angel that, suit, right? So he touches it and he sees what's going to happen to him. He sees like mangled face almost melting oh, and stuff. And, and he's stuck in the thing. Yeah. So he just kind of, you know, shelves the thought of it. It's always there lingering within him, but he kind of shelves it to kind of work on the mission. And I think that's why he's a bit more uh, fearless in this episode. I mean, he's a very fearless character in general, right? Like, Pike is very much known for jumping into the action and saving right, the day right. and stuff like that. Um, but you can tell when he goes down to the missile, right? So at this point in the the episode of the season finale, you have the missile that's lodged into the Enterprise's hull. Um, Admiral uh, Kate, Kate is just can't do anything about it, and she realizes that the only way to kind of save the rest of the ship is to pull the manual lever, kind of closing the door, containing the explosion and stuff like that. And Pike is like, well, I saw my future. You know, if if I'm gonna, if that's my future, then I'm not gonna die here. So maybe I just won't leave this place. And she's like, "You, you're an idiot." Yeah. <laughs> she's like, "Just leave." Yeah. You know, and he he kind of does that. You know, he tries to you know take her place, but she doesn't have it. And um, you know, kind of get that moment. Yeah. Very very beautiful heartfelt moment. And and it really expresses uh, the character very well because, like like you said, he's pres- been presented this entire season as just this bullheaded, you know old school military dude who's like I'm gonna get the job done no matter what mm-hmm. even if I know what's gonna happen to me and now he's in a situation you know you take a character like that and you put him in a situation where he knows how he's gonna die and he knows that it's not here but he's also smart enough to realize if he does stay here he will die and that other future won't happen mm-hmm. but he's still considering it because he's like well, but I could save the world you know and that moment where she looks at me she's like you're a dumbass leave <laughs> go go live your life. I'm fine here. Yeah, yeah. That was amazing. So good, and definitely a shift from the traditional Star Trek depiction, as we said of anime. Oh yeah. And stuff. Oh yeah. All right. So season two better than season one? About the same or worse? Hmm. That's a that's a tough question. I think the show kind of found its footing a little bit more in season two in terms of uh, you know how we were talking about before how Star Trek has always been traditionally a very ensemble-focused show. And season one felt very much like, you know, the Michael Burnham show. She was the main character. And she still felt like a a main character very much this season, which I don't mind because she's an awesome character. But, you know, it just, it it didn't quite feel like Star Trek yet when she was the main character. Mm Mm-hmm. And even though the focus is very much still on her this season, they managed to bring the other characters to the forefront a lot more. Even characters who had only been introduced this season. I mean, they they got an amazing ending for Pike, like we were just talking about, even though he only signed on uh, in episode one of this past season. So he's only been in 14 episodes, and he already, you know, touched our hearts as a character. And it's amazing that they can do that. And it shows that they are ready to really move into an ensemble-focused next season. Absolutely, and that's something I'm very excited yeah. for. And, and I get maybe, <laughs> assuming we're going to get back all the actors and the characters, right? I don't yeah. see a reason why not. But at the same time, you know, you have some big names, right? There's some Michelle Yeoh, and she's yeah. also working on a different show. Um, Doug Jones, mm-hmm. you know, any movie deal, I think, would steer him away from the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised that he even went down the TV route. I mean, he's still um, uh, Avengers, right? What's up? Doug Jones is in the Avengers? No. Am I thinking of somebody else? The Avengers? No, I don't think he's in the Avengers. No, he's not in the Avengers. No. Who's Jones in? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Doug yeah. Jones was in uh, The Shape of Water. Yes. He's also in um, that other Del Toro flick. 
Uh, Hellboy. Oh, okay. And in uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Was he in Pan's Labyrinth? I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, he was He was the pale man, wasn't he? Oh. Uh, the guy with the eyes on his hands? Let me double check. Yeah, I don't think so. While Christian looks that up. So you think it's just it's uh, a bit better, I guess, because they shift to a more ensemble style. I mean, yeah, it's better in terms of the represent- representation of its characters and the way it lets everyone have breathing room and everyone feels like a real character this season. Even, I mean, what they did with Arium, especially, she was kind of a big character. And then they managed to give her an arc this season, even though she died halfway through the season. Yeah. You know, so that, like, that's one of those things that really shows that they that they can do an ensemble very well. And I think they're going to, you know, move more towards that in the next season, which is going to be really cool to see. But season one, for me, this is very much a matter of taste. But I preferred a good old Klingon-centric storyline. Okay. Yeah. I would definitely love to see more of the Klingon. I was kind of upset oh, yeah. we didn't uh, so much in this season. You kind yeah. of did a little bit, you know, with Laurel's story and Ash. I mean, as much baby. as they needed to be there, yeah, yeah. It's I, I really love the way they fleshed out the Laurel Ash storyline because that was just such a mind blower in the yes. first season. Like, I, I don't want to give spoilers, but oh no, this is a spoiler. Like, oh uh, yeah, uh, every episode of TV Talk is. Uh, it's all spoilers. spoilers. Everyone yeah. should know. Yeah. Like, if uh, you haven't seen this and you listen to it, I'm sorry, but everyone is dead. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, they killed off like, everyone. This is number much. eight. By now, if you're listening, you have to know <laughs> that there's spoilers. Otherwise, yeah, I don't even know why I asked that. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I'm a spoiler shit out of all this. Yeah, go for it. Uh, yeah. I, so, well, um, is Vision and Avengers. Yes, and for so. some reason, I always get him and Doug Jones. I mean, British confused. white people look alike. It's well, they're okay. the guys who also do the makeup and they do the makeup crazy thing. Yeah, so I I always get them mixed up. Anyway. They're like Sorry. those two guys yeah. who are just always like you can't even tell it's them. Yeah, yeah. it was an Andy Circus who does Gollum. We know when, when it's Circus. What did you think of Arium's replacement? I think it's played by the same actor. I can't think of her name. Hannah Cheeseman or something like that. A replacement. Yes. So they replaced Arium. I did not even notice that she was replaced. Wait. Oh, you didn't notice that they replaced no, Arium. Oh they God. had that whole awkward scene where this you know very pretty blonde lady walks on stage and everyone's like giving her, you know, the stink eye. And then Captain Pike's like, oh, welcome aboard, Lieutenant, blah, blah, blah. No name. Oh, my God. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, we just watched it, so. Yeah. Oh, okay. And she popped up in that one scene in the infirmary where she's like, Tilly, get out of here. Wow. Yeah. I yeah. did not even notice that. That's crazy. Yeah. So that was pretty interesting. And maybe she'll have a bigger part in the next season, too. That's, maybe. Uh, Could that be the voyage home? I don't know. Discuss. <laughs> Discuss in the comments. Should whales be involved? Whales in the future? <laughs> whales in space. The future federation, the evil federation, uses attacking space whales. Yeah. 950 years in the future. So we know that the ship itself is going to survive because of that short trek, which goes even further in time. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a sentient ship. Doesn't that remind you of Farscape? Yeah, a little bit. It's a lot of shows have done that, and it's always very interesting to see. I feel like every sci-fi show has at one point done an episode where one character finds themselves in the far, far future on the ship, and it's still in perfect condition, and they have to figure out how to get back and uh, you know what to do about this future. And it's interesting that Discovery got theirs out of the way with a short trek that I didn't even see until yesterday. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought it was when it came out, man. I'm just addicted to the show. They got to make more of it. I don't know what's going to happen. This is weird. It's a good. It's a really great cliffhanger to leave off of. Yeah, very, very good cliffhanger. Absolutely. 
And it's, I mean, it's the rare cliffhanger that doesn't feel like, oh, come on, a cliffhanger now? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, even though this finale was so fucking tense, yeah. and just, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time, which, few other Star Treks... So, so one thing, <laughs> one thing I, I did notice about the show was that the cinematography is excellent. Oh, it's beautiful. really surprised. Oh, yeah. They have, like, 360 shots, these crazy space battles, these, like, really intense, like, clones in. Like, they use a lot of different techniques to, to like, almost, like, cinema quality... Uh, I was very surprised, uh, and I just not expecting that. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. You know everything down to the set design, the costume design. Yeah, you know it. It definitely makes you feel that you're, you know, within the show itself. It's yeah. really immersive. Definitely, and just the angles and the shots they use. I mean, especially that one scene in this episode where uh, Leland as Control and Michelle Yeoh and uh, Commander Nunn, I think, are in the hallway while the gravity's failing. And oh. they're having this epic, like, kung fu fight, but every few seconds, the walls shift, and another wall next to them becomes the floor, and they just roll over and get up and keep fighting. Reminded and me of Inception. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. I was thinking the entire time. Oh exactly. my god, they're doing an Inception. It, like, it's just so mind-boggling, because I spent that entire scene, I mean, the fight scene itself was great, but I wasn't even focusing on that. I was wondering, like, how did they film this? Did they build the set as a rotating tunnel, and then just... You know, call out to the actors, turning now, and then turn it. <laughs> I would assume that's the only. Yeah, that's really the only way they could have. Which is crazy, though. That's amazing. Like yeah. to choreograph that. On top of that, there were no, there were no cuts. That was like exactly. a shot. So it's like oh, exactly. Shit. And that's I mean that puts like Star Trek had a fight scene on or close to you know that's up for debate whatever the level of like Daredevil yeah. the show oh, yeah. with that epic yeah. hallway fight in season one yeah like. A Star Trek show did that. Yes. With, I was not expecting that. I yeah. would never expect that on Star Trek. Yeah. And yet it still felt like Star Trek. Yes. That's why I love this show. Absolutely. Same. I absolutely adore this show. I think it's probably one of my favorites. Really? I don't think I, it's beat out. Like, yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. You know, maybe like Definitely. TNG and then... I mean, I think TNG is, is most people's favorites. Yeah. I'm also going uh, through TNG right now, and oh, okay. definitely Boy. some episodes are not as great. As no, there's a lot of filler uh, within it. Yeah, there's a lot of filler. Um, but it's a solid show. It is a solid show. And, and it really laid the foundation for what like later tracks would become, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, like yeah, even absolutely. more so than the original series. I'm very excited to start DS9, just to see the connections, you know, with, with uh, Section 31 and stuff. See, that's another fucking fascinating thing they did this episode. This whole season, I've been wondering, because in past Star Trek shows, DS9 and TNG especially, Section 31 has been treated like something that no one's ever heard of, and like one character even says when an agent pops up, like, what? I thought Section 31 was a myth. And it's like a very small organization that operates completely in the shadows. But in Discovery, Section 31 has been so out in the open and so brazenly involved in, in every major event to happen and like everybody knows about them you know but in this show in the, in this finale their entire fleet gets destroyed most of their agents are slaughtered by Leland in control mode mm -hmm. and it's just interesting to see how like this is a powerful powerful organization uh, kind of well known it seems in the Discovery uh, you know era organization and they've just been utterly annihilated yeah. and at the end of that two things happen that really cement, you know, the future of Section 31 and make you go, oh, that's where they got the vibe, you know, in the other series in the future. 
is how they name Ash Tyler one of the only, it seemed, surviving members of Section 31, new commander, and they said nobody is to speak of the events surrounding discoveries, uh, you know, explosion, disappearance, death, whatever, <laughs> uh, again, and nobody is to speak of Section 31 again. So it's very plausible now to see how this organization could have slid into myth and been kind of, you know, almost forgotten by the time TNG and DS9 rolls around. Absolutely. I would love to see a Section 39 uh, TV show. That'd be really cool. With Ash Tyler as the yeah. captain. I think that would be really phenomenal if they were to do that. I would watch the shit out of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. And it's, uh, you can tell they're going to rehaul it, as you oh, said, yeah. you know, they're going to completely change up what Section 31, 39? 31, yeah. 30, I, just, 39, I mean, it's so cool to think about, like, how will they pop up going forward? You know, I, I imagine that they'll just pop up to help out the characters, you know, but with much more limited resources and not be out in the open as much. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, they have a chance here to really lay the foundation for what will Section 31 become in the future and really tie it into the vibe you get from Section 31 in the other shows, you know, and, like, show how they became to be, you know, this twisted, corrupt shadow organization that they are in DS9. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a question. Uh, from where this season started to where uh, the season ended, obviously, basically, did you see the this was going to how the season would unfold, basically? No. Huh? I thought Michael was going to come up with some sort of revelation in the end that would have prevented her from going into the wormhole yeah. and discovery. Honestly, when they had neutralized control before that, I'm surprised they didn't try to dictate that he was neutralized and completely done for and continued going on with the plan. Yeah. So, I figured they just would have been able to communicate that to Michael or Spock and be like, hey, we just neutralized control. He's well, that's no longer the thing. I, I might have missed this, but didn't they? So when he's in the spore drive, they use those magnets or, yeah. or something. I don't know if it's magnets, but he pretty much disintegrates into those nano nanites, right? Yeah. And uh, as we saw earlier in the episode, there was a situation like that with another character who we thought survived from Section 39. Gant, I think it was the previous episode. His name was Gant, and he used to be with her on the Shenzhou. Right, right, and then, right. Uh, and they find out that he's control, and they use magnets to tear him up. And make his nanites separate from each yeah, other. Yeah, and then you yeah. see they like freeze it and destroy it or something. So I yeah. presume they would have done the same thing there, right. you know, because Captain Leland at this point is is dead. So, it, but that was that's that's the thing that uh, that kind of like threw me for a loop about that scene. At some point before Michael and Spock jumped, didn't somebody on the Enterprise of Discovery like I remember someone like contacting Michael and being like, oh, we just neutralized control. But then it's treated as if everybody knows that they still have to jump, when I feel like they could just as easily not have jumped at that point. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, it just seemed like they just wanted to keep going with that plan. I don't know if it was because there was so much disarray going on, because they were still fighting Mm -hmm. uh, while this is, you know, uh, while the events are unfolding. So, that was a pretty interesting question. Man. This has really got me thinking. Yeah. It's always a good sign when you're thinking about what you watched. And <laughs> it's confusing you a little bit, too, I think. so. That's another thing I love about this show. Everything... Like, Star Trek has always been high concept and, and high stakes and complex enough that you really have to pay attention. But this show being a lot more act, action-packed and, you know, kind of streamlined for the modern audience, 
is, you know, it moves even faster. Everything goes at a faster pace, so you kind of have to pay extra attention, almost, to really, really understand the nuances of what's going on in the plot, mm -hmm. and, you know, all the techno-babble and what exactly they're doing to get from point A to point B, sometimes, um, that, uh, you know, it just it keeps you on your toes in a way that like few tracks have, have ever done before it's true and the yeah. show knows that i think and they oh, yeah. play on that you yeah. know they hint at so many different things they uh, cocky motherfuckers they <laughs> are they're very cocky they're very bald and that's why i'm very excited to see the next season because it's like mm -hmm. you can take the story at this point right you know anywhere really so many different ways and they've so already showed ways. that they're willing to do the most ridiculous shit and that they can handle doing ridiculous shit and pull it off so with the number of options they've set up with this ending they can do some of the craziest things. They can do things no track has ever, ever dared to even think about before with the setup for season three. And we know there's going to be a season three because, Christian, you looked it up before. I just looked it up. <laughs> yeah. They were talking about uh, shooting dates. Did yeah. they say any of the actors were returning? That's I literally only just oh, Google yeah. searched it right when we look hit that up, Christian. Look <laughs> that up, Christian. We can look that up right now. Yes. Because oh if, the, if the actors have signed contracts again, that means they're coming back, right? That's like the spoiler, I think, with Marvel and yeah. the Avengers. Is, you know, they're still under contract. But Which means that they are bound to reappear next season, and they're bound to have some interesting plotline involving them. Yeah. So that could be really fascinating. So Jones better be coming back. Screen mm -hmm. rant eight hours ago mentioned. Okay, okay. Season two is an improvement. Yeah, that's nice, but when <laughs> it's, it's here somewhere, uh, well, we know it has been renewed for season three. So there you go. That's, that's it. We don't know if any of the actors are coming right. back. Or... Uh, second season was a massive, massive success by their standards. So that's a good sign. Any mention of, like, set photo leaks or anything juicy, you know? Yeah, man. Give us those dirt. Yeah. Give us that Section 31 info. Give us them deets. Give us the clearance, yo. yo. I'm like a five-level clearance. Give with that gossip. It's a commander. We need to know everything. Bruh. <laughs> oh, yeah, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Um, all right. I think we've, we've had a, a good natural end yeah. to this yeah. uh, podcast. Thank you for listening. I know it's a little kind of disorganized but we're super freaking excited because we just watched oh, this it's fine conversational Ooh. stuff is great guys thank and you. I think you i think you both did a great job and you. you know uh we want to know what you think i think more importantly right are they dead yeah. are they just gone and trapped in another situation are we going to see them again let us know comment comment share it on the social media anything yeah. Yeah, social media <laughs> send us yeah. fan theories and conspiracy theories oh yeah and then like as we mentioned at the beginning jad will be doing these uh these star trek uh, podcasts yes he'll be covering also the orville and uh, what was the other one uh so far just the orville and star trek okay. but i want to do sci-fi so if you guys yeah. are interested in a sci-fi podcast um, that doesn't necessarily have to be just about TV shows. Could be about movies, books, comics, whatever. Mm -hmm. Let me know. Yeah. Send us that uh, info. Tag me at Jad Cato. Yeah. J A D K A A D O. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, um, final thoughts for good seasons, mostly. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent season. Uh, it's totally uh, track to the heart. You know, the acting is phenomenal. The script is phenomenal. Really keeps you on your toes and guessing what's going to go on. If you're a Star Trek fan in any way shape or form give this show a try okay first and second season are top notch i give it an a maybe an a plus okay. top 10 show top 10 cast top 10 writing for this particular tv era if you love star trek it's gonna have something for you even if you're annoyed by how fast paced or how new it is 
Give it a try. It's amazing. As somebody who's only watched one episode and it being the season two but season finale, hooked. it was it was really good. It's so, really good. So on this break that you're taking, you definitely should watch the first two. Yeah. I mean, I've you're only seen so the original time series to watch yeah. TV. Yeah, you know? exactly. Because I'm not trying to do other important work. <laughs> it's really um, a big shift away from the original series, but no, they tie yeah, into it a lot. And they all. But I actually really like the original series. It's I know. Great. I, I, I just have to watch all of them. And that's TV Talk Episode 8. This is Christian. You can follow me on the WordPress, obviously, and also on uh, XNAngelus on Instagram, XN underscore Angelus on uh, Twitter, and Christian Angelus on Facebook. Chad? I'm Jad. Uh, I'm going to start writing for the WordPress soon. Look out for my articles. Um, you can follow me on at Jad Cato, J A D K A A D O, on all the social media types. Jad Cato LLC. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, do you have anything? Or? Start at 2348. Uh, no, no, <laughs> and this is Shimmy. Shimmy, where can we find you? Uh, nowhere. <laughs> That's totally fine. He's part of Section 31. <laughs> but he may or may not appear on these podcasts, so we'll see. Yeah. I'm actually Control, so. He's Control. He's just Control. <laughs> but, yeah. Leland Escape. Captain I'll jump back here. Dude, what about Lorca Prime? <laughs>